0: What would you do if the commercial space in your apartment block was turned into a call centre or a language school? What about that loophole in the law that means that tribunal decisions can't be enforced? And what do you do about a disappearing pot plant? I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Chat column for the Australian Financial Review and edit the Flat Chat website.
1: And I'm Sue Williams, a property writer, journalist and author.
0: And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So, Sue, commercial buildings, mixed commercial and residential, and there's some problems have come up.
1: Absolutely. There's a case going through at the moment in the Land and Environment Court, and there's a couple of cases going through NCAT as well. And it's basically buildings... These are in Sydney, but they could be replicated anywhere else, where there's mixed zoning in place from local councils, and they both have commercial spaces. Yeah, And in one, the commercial space is nine floors down in the basement, so there's no light or no air. And originally, when the building was built about 20 years ago, it was intended to be a gym. Right. The gym never eventuated, and then somebody else ended up buying it and now has put in a proposal um, for something... Akin to a core centre.
0: Right.
1: And understandably, the residents are quite alarmed because they've only got two lifts in their building. Right. And the people working at the core centre, I think there's about 56 places there, will be probably doing three shifts from morning right. till evening. will be using their lifts and will be coming through their foyer. Right. So, I mean, understandably, the the residents are quite alarmed by this because that's a lot more foot traffic through their foyer. Yeah. Um, and because they're going to be in the basement nine floors down, they're presumably going to come up every couple of hours just to see the sun and to get a bit of fresh air and or maybe have a cigarette or get a coffee. So they're going to be using the lifts quite a lot. That's going to be a huge impost on a residential building.
0: Now, is this one of these cases where the commercial space was designed to be something else?
1: Well, yes, I I think it was just intended to be a gym because, you know, what else can you do with space all that way down? But um, the people who bought the space say, well, look, it's good these days because you can have all sorts of different companies there. I mean, quite apart from the idea of a core centre, which has so alarmed the residents that they're saying we could have an IT company. They don't need natural light. We could have a media company. We could even have a TV company because they don't need natural light either.
0: No, they don't want it.
1: No, <laughs> they really right. don't. So I guess new technology means that businesses can operate in spaces where they couldn't before. Yeah. And and that's a difficulty. And their neighboring building also has commercial space, and that's quite a new building. It was a conversion from an old office building, and it's now kind of a very nice, yeah. posh, luxurious residential building with views of the harbor. And that has six small commercial spaces. And I think originally they were intended to be like a an accountant's office, um, a tax office, maybe a physio working there, in another one of them. But somebody's come in, bought all the spaces, amalgamated them, and is now um, planning to put in a student language centre with about, well, they're saying about 150 students
0: And three different
1: classes a day. So it could be 450 students a day. Right. And they're on two floors. They're going to be on the ground floor and the first floor. And the problem is they're also going to be using the lobby. Right. And they're also going to be using the lifts. And there are only two lifts in that building as well.
0: So this is clearly a case, I think, of where the legislation from when these buildings went up has been outpaced by developments, the way people use space.
1: That's right, because, I mean, say in New York, you have lots of buildings where they have commercial um, spaces and they're residential. Yeah. And even in Sydney and Melbourne, you have lots of buildings, often newer buildings that have commercial downstairs and residential upstairs, but they rarely use the same residential lobby. You know, they have a yeah, separate entrance yeah, yeah. or they have separate lifts if they're higher up they're, yeah. and they're kind of completely cordoned off. Yeah. But in these buildings, because they were, you know, originally... Office buildings, the zoning was always mixed. Right. And so the the fight in court at the moment and the fight at NCAT is. Whether a strata committee or an owner's corporation can actually say, no, this business is not suitable for our building.
0: Right. Whoa, that goes back into that whole thing of interfering with the lot owner's right to lease or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Their right to run a business, really.
0: But then presumably they'd be knocking out walls and things to amalgamate all the available space in some cases anyway.
1: Yeah, but... You know, if they don't have a right to interfere with the business, they probably don't have a right to stop them knocking out walls either. Yeah. It's a very difficult situation. I mean, obviously, the Land Environment Court will rule, NCAT will rule, there may be appeals, so it could be quite a long-running case. But I think an awful lot of apartment buildings are looking at these cases and thinking, wow, you know, we've got a bit of commercial space, we've got the opportunity, you know, it could be bought and expanded, could that be us?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we know a building very well which started off with a brand new space that was supposed to be a restaurant, a cafe and a shop and uh, the first person to rent the space turned it into a car yard.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And and then opened up all those spaces so it became almost impossible when the car yard was gone to find a tenant for the huge single space that had been created.
1: Mm, and we're, we're seeing that all around Sydney and Melbourne really. There's another building in Sydney which was touted as a really fabulous, residential, luxurious architect design building. Yeah. And the developers said to to all the residents, oh, we're going to have a beautiful deli underneath. We're going to have a, a restaurant. We're going to have a cafe. Uh, we, we may have a flower shop. <laughs> I mean... They kind of make all these promises yeah, yeah. and there's probably no, no basis behind it. And it's now become a boot camp gym. <laughs> oh, right. So the whole space is used for... Um, People being shouted at. That's right. Paying lots of money out. to
0: get someone to shout at. Yeah, yep. and
1: throwing heavy weights around. So I, I don't know if it's particularly noisy. I mean, there'll be loud music blaring. Yeah. Hopefully they've got... Um,
0: Soundproofing. Of yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: But, you know, suddenly the building, you think, well, I wonder if the value of that building has gone down. Yeah. There's another building, which is an award-winning building, and that had similar promises of fabulous bijou businesses underneath, and now is being touted for a Hungry Jacks underneath. Oh, right. So Lovely. Yeah, it's really hard. You know, should owners' corporations have a say in what goes on underneath?
0: But, you know, what happens is, as you said, the developers say it will have businesses like mm. this, and oddly enough that uh, the new Defects Disaster building in Zetland Mm -hmm. Um, The space underneath the apartments that are now uninhabitable Uninhabitable. was supposed to be for shops and cafes and even a food market. They couldn't get tenants, so somebody came in and turned it into townhouses. And there are people now living in townhouses underneath the uninhabitable building, watching the value of their properties plummet
1: Mm, with every
0: story that goes in the paper. It's just awful. But uh, you cannot predict what's going to happen in the future, but you can put certain things in place to protect people, Mm. I think. Mm. But, you know, people have got to be free to develop things to adapt to the economy.
1: And, I mean, I think every building wants to have... A really successful cafe and and deli and restaurant underneath because it that really adds value and and you know lots of ones that do exist can deliver food upstairs to the residences yeah um, we knew somebody once who had a cafe underneath a building and he delivered lunch and dinner to an elderly resident upstairs every day yeah and that that's a fantastic service and and when commercial and residential work well together, yep. it can be a perfect combination. But when it's an unsuitable tenant or unsuitable residences, (laughs) it can be a recipe for disaster.
0: Well, we've got a post to the forum this week from somebody saying, do we really have to pay, we being the owner's corporation, do we really have to pay to clean the grease traps from the commercial cafes? (laughs) Because the cafes have Mm. said, oh, this is part of common property, so you've got to pay for it. And the answer is no, you don't. And the easiest way to resolve that, by the way, is just to stop paying and see what happens.
1: <laughs> well, there was a, the other big issue in um, Wollamaloo Wharf, where the residences upstairs were having to pay for the pavement to be cleaned after the restaurants had, had closed down every evening. Huh. Um, and so that was a real difficulty. And I think people just hadn't foreseen that because that no. was maybe that building, Wollamaloo Wharf, was, was built probably 20 years ago now. Yeah. And it was all a very new kind of world. Nobody yeah, really yeah. quite understood where the divisions and the responsibilities lay between the different parties to, to an apartment building.
0: And always, uh, there's always a tendency if the commercial side is a big company, they will take advantage. I mean, there was a case up on the North Shore somewhere where it was a building that was half residential, half hotel. And every two years or 18 months, the hotel would do a refurb of all their carpets mm. and paintwork and charge it back to wow. the whole building.
1: Mm. And there was another building where the developer actually owned the business downstairs. And so the division of the the the
0: levies, the the unit entitlements, unit,
1: unit entitlements was was weighed very heavily in favor of the business.
0: Yeah, he was paying nothing for That's his whole right. of the bottom floor. Yep. And everybody else was paying everything. So the
1: residents were effectively subsidizing his business. Yeah. So hopefully they couldn't get away with it quite so easily these days. But there are loopholes. Well,
0: could they? Yes, loopholes, Sue. After this little break, we're going to be talking about the loophole that means that NCAT, the tribunal, is a toothless tiger. That's after this. So, Sue, you've been busy this past week. The loopholes in the strata law that mean, well, what do they mean?
1: Well, we've known about this for a while, I think. When the new legislation came in, the new strata legislation came in in 2016, about six months later, people started pointing out that NCAT, its powers were severely restricted because it didn't actually have the power to enforce the orders it made.
0: So it could make an order. You could go along and say, for instance, my owners' corporation hasn't held an AGM for two years can you order them to, and NCAT will say, sure.
1: Yep, that's right. But then, if the Strata Committee does nothing, what happens then?
0: And what ha- what does happen then?
1: Precisely nothing, because NCAT doesn't have the power to enforce its orders, so it can't impose penalties. And often the only thing that motivates people to, to abide by the law is if they know there is going to be a penalty for doing so. Oh, for so sure, for, doing so. yeah. for sure. So... I mean there's a, there's been a situation where a woman has had terrible leaks in her apartment since 2011 Yep and she's been fighting and asking the strata committee to fix the leaks because it's leaks in common property in the roof and the walls. And um, and I think some of the leaks, but maybe she maybe needs to pay a little bit to fix, but the owner's corporation needs to pay a little bit to fix as well. She's been having a terrible time. She's been to NCAT. NCAT ruled that the, the owner's corporation should fix the leaks right. immediately.
0: Right. Okay.
1: <laughs> so that was in January 2017.
0: So that's more than two years ago.
1: That's right. And has anything happened? No, the roof and the walls are still leaking and she sent me a really sad little video snap of her herself at 3am, almost in tears watching the rain falling into various pots and pans around her apartment when the rain kind of hits a pan it makes a lot of noise and she was obviously (laughs) very very tired at 3 a.m yeah and very tearful and it actually looked awful you know the carpet was soaked the walls were wet and it just looked bloody miserable
0: all right oh maybe we could get that on our website Or is is it on domain? Now, we should say that this story has been online and domain by the time you hear this. And that little video is there. So so, uh, we don't know what the headline is yet, but just look for Sue Williams in domain and uh, you will find lots of stories, including that one.
1: Mm. So now lots of lawyers are saying look, this is a really urgent situation. The government really needs to, to fix this loophole. They yep. need to plug this leak, so to speak. Sorry <laughs> about that, yeah. And they're saying it's becoming more urgent because people are, are actually realising that they don't need to do anything when NCAP makes a ruling. So they're brazenly flouting the laws the and the rules. Well, absolutely. And so that's leaving people... To be real the victims of bullying from strata committees or strata plans, yeah, and um, they can't get the right thing done. and And you know, like NCAT sits at almost the top of the strata system. yes. and if that becomes a toothless tiger, as you said, then the whole strata system kind of falls down, really.
0: I mean I think the problem arose out of an attempt to do something good, which was the ability for owners' corporations when somebody gets fined for a breach of a bylaw. The money of the fine goes to the owners' corporation, which is a good thing. But in writing that bit of the legislation, they accidentally removed the ability for NCAT to fine people for not fulfilling their orders.
1: Mm, That's right. And I think most people agree it was an oversight. But it's crazy that this oversight has been allowed to continue for all this time. It's
0: almost coming up to three years.
1: Yeah. And successive government ministers, uh, Minister Keane said he was considering changing the law. Yeah. Nothing happened. But now the new minister, Anderson, Kevin Anderson, says he's now looking
0: looking at it.
1: Well, that's right. And you can look at it for a long, long time. They've been looking at it. But we need a bit of action, really, don't we?
0: Well, funnily enough. We have a solution because FlatChat is a place you come for answers as well as questions. And accidentally, in the case that you were discussing, that you've reported, that owner's corporation has been the subject of a compulsory appointment of a strata manager. Mm. Now, this is something that happens when your strata scheme is so dysfunctional in so many ways, but basically they're not operating under the terms of the strata act the tribunal can come in and say we are putting a strata manager in place committee you're gone owners corporation you all you have to do is pay your levies really you may have no input into the decision-making as long as this manager is in place. It's really up to the strata manager. They can have meetings with with representatives if they want. But this is a serious thing. We're taking your power away from you because you haven't been using it correctly. I reckon in a case where NCAT has issued orders and those orders have not been complied with, it should be automatic, okay, you're getting a statutory mm. strata manager.
1: Interesting, because... It's not a great situation having a compulsory strata manager put in there because you know you lose all your democratic rights as, yep. a, as an apartment owner and it tends to be a situation where Nothing proactively gets done. Things are remedied if there are big problems. But there's kind of no forward movement, really. Yeah. So it's not an ideal situation at all. So maybe that would be a good deterrent.
0: Oh, it should be. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of strata managers about this, and they say we hate the compulsory appointment because we know by the end of our year, and it's usually a year that's almost automatically extended to two years, the residents are going to hate us because we go in and we have to comply with the law. You know, most strata committees work on a basis of, yeah, we should be doing this, but we really don't need to do it right now. And there's a bit of give and take. And that's fine. That's how the world works. A strata manager has a responsibility under the law to follow the act or their license theoretically would be in danger. So they will start doing everything by the book. And the other thing is some strata managers in compulsory appointments, they have absolute control. They decide which tradies are going to be used to fix which problems. So some of them develop relationships with tradies who get feather bedded contracts. The owners are sitting there going, my God, we are paying twice as much to get this fixed as we would have if we'd fixed it ourselves. And the strata manager saying, well, tough, that's my decision. That's my mm. responsibility.
1: It's very hard. I mean, we know one strata management company who went into one building that was a bit dysfunctional or was very dysfunctional <laughs> yeah, really, and um, sorted out the problems. And to their credit, after the year, they were actually awarded the contract yeah. by the new owners corporation, by the new yeah. strata committee, yeah. which, you know, is a, is a huge pat on the back for them.
0: Absolutely. Although I think there may be an element sometimes in these things of, okay, you've had your year where you've been telling us what to do. Now you've got three years (laughs) where we'll be telling you what to do. (laughs) Can two wrongs make a right? Uh, We'll be talking about that after this short break. (laughs) Yes, Sue, can two wrongs make a right? Now, let me define what I mean by a wrong people who regularly read the flat chat website in my comms will know that I am not a big fan of Airbnb and neither are they of me my view about Airbnb is the idea of sharing genuinely sharing your home i.e. renting a room in your apartment or your house to Swedish backpackers or people who are coming here from Adelaide or whatever is a great idea Unfortunately, as we know, this has now become a big commercial enterprise. There's been what they call the hollowing out of some of the biggest cities in the world where normal tenants are forced out because of high rents and they are replaced quite deliberately by holiday rentals, some of which are run by Airbnb, not all of them. Some of them, most of them. That's one thing. Let's just take it. I'm not a big fan of them. Another thing I'm not a big fan of is the pre-sale of caretaker management contracts in Queensland. Mm. Now, it seems like Airbnb and other online holiday rental organizations are undermining the caretaker management situation in Queensland, because part of the caretaker management thing has always been that the caretakers, some of whom I hasten to add, are on 25-year contracts. Mm. Some of them make a lot of money by running the rental role. And a lot of people in Queensland have their apartments there as a holiday home for themselves for a few weeks a year, and then it's rented out to other people. Very different situation from residential apartment blocks in Victoria and New South Wales. But anyway, people had to go through their caretakers to get their rentals. Then it was changed so that caretakers were the only people who could have an, a rental office in the building. Right. So you could go to an outside real estate agent to yeah, manage which your is rentals. Great. So you've got a lot of choice and freedom.
1: Yeah. And what is Airbnb doing about that? How is that relevant?
0: Because of that freedom to go outside the building, people can now go, hey, instead of go- <laughs> renting my property through the caretaker or through the real estate agent around the corner, I can can just do it myself.
1: So they're cancelling each other out?
0: Well this is growing at such a pace people are saying it's undermining the financial basis for the caretaker management. A lot of caretakers are, are losing business because you know as in any area of life where people have um total control they start getting lazy and and start becoming autocratic and i was reading on the unit owners association of queensland website somebody saying oh we've shifted to airbnb because of the arrogance of the caretaker manager who can you believe this shortly after they'd left their home and said okay you can put it up for rent the caretaker manager went in and removed all their personal stuff put it in a box dumped it downstairs in the storeroom breaking a lot of their oh their my glass goodness, that and stuff terrible. and then put in their standard dishes and and whatever right. that they put in all the apartments in their oh. building so this person's saying, well now I choose who lives in my apartment. Mm. I choose how the apartment looks. I choose what the furnishings are, are like. Sure. And I'm making more money.
1: Yeah. Well that's eminently reasonable. Yeah. That's so, very funny, isn't it really? It's quite it ironic.
0: So I think yes, Airbnb in Queensland. It's good. It's like <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has to win. My money's on the big monkey. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: We'll keep an eye on that and see how that develops over the next few months. When we come back after this break, we're going to have a chat about a sad situation of disappearing pot plants. That's after this. I'm here with Sue Williams, and we're talking about what's happening in the world of strata. And... A sad little story on the the flat chat forum. Um, Somebody who, in Victoria, who he and his wife, they like to put pot plants out on on common property and they look after them. They don't charge for it, uh, but it brightens up, makes their apartment block a little bit more homely. Mm,
1: That's a nice thing. It is
0: a nice thing. And then one day he was on his balcony, looked down in the street and saw one of his neighbours' cleaner, take a pot plant and put it in her car.
1: Oh, no. So
0: he kind of went, hey, and she looked up and saw him looking at her. Yep. And got in the car and drove off. Ooh. So. What
1: did he do? What
0: did he do? He went to the resident, the neighbor, and said, your cleaner just stole one of our pot plants, that one that used to be in that space over there. Mm. And I saw her putting it in the car, and she saw me seeing her put it in the car. And the the neighbour said, oh, no, no, that can't have been our cleaner because we've had her for years and she's as honest as the day is long. Oh, dear. What do you do?
1: How valuable was the pot plant?
0: I think uh, apparently, you know, if you go to these farmers markets and things like that, a mature developed pot plant can mm. be quite expensive. Yeah. You know, because it's, you know, what, what I, I, I personally, my experience with flowers and plants is I just kill them. I don't mean to, but I just do. So I'm sure a lot of people are like that. We like having plants around, but Mm. they need to
1: be robust. Yeah. Well, could he talk to the cleaner next time he sees her? I mean, you can't jump to too many conclusions. Maybe the plant was wilting and she thought it needed a bit more care and nurturing. So she took it home to put some special stuff in the
0: her magic (laughs) plant revival thing. Yes. Or it would have been easier for her to bring the magic plant revival thing with her the next time she came to clean, I'm thinking.
1: Well, that's true, but her dying mother expressed a wish to see (laughs) in her last days Uh, a beautiful Azealia.
0: I love the way that you're always prepared to look on the positive side for the rest of the human race. (laughs) Here's my theory. That the cleaner, who is as honest as the day is long, had said to the lady who she was cleaning for, hey, that's a beautiful Christmas rose or whatever, a blue lobelia or something. And the lady in question has said, oh, just take it. It's common property, so it kind of belongs to us anyway. So
1: oh wow
0: what do you think of the chances of that rather than your dying mother scenario (laughs) which would you put money on
1: yeah i guess that's a possibility because it's odd that she would deny it so quickly
0: yeah i mean if somebody came to to you and said your cleaner has just stolen my bike and i saw them put it in the car and you
1: phone up the cleaner and say oh there's this strange tale going around what do you think of it Yeah, yeah you would
0: you'd say well let me have a word
1: Mm.
0: You wouldn't immediately go into, this is the most honest person in Australia, mm. so that this story of yours could not possibly be true.
1: Yeah. I guess it's hard, isn't it? Because you want to stay friends with your neighbours. Yes. That's, that's the that's big so thing. That's so important. Yeah. And maybe it's just really not worth falling out over a plant. But it would be irritating, of course. But could you ask the owners' corporation to pay for a replacement one and just say, it's obviously... Been stolen or disappeared, can you pay me for a replacement because you know I'm paying for it out of my pocket?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got a slightly more uh, sneaky way of doing things, which is to do something like that or say, uh, can we install security cameras because stuff is getting stolen, and without naming names, saying a residence cleaner stole something and was witnessed doing it, and the resident has refused to even countenance the idea that this has happened. Now, in a small block, it means within, I would say, probably hours <laughs> rather than days, several people will stop you in the in the corridor and say, oh, who was it? Who who stole the thing? Or, Without going on the record, then you can say it was that.
1: Or that's a very easy way of making enemies of all your neighbours all at once.
0: By putting them all under suspicion.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, because, you know, they've existed quite happily for a long time and suddenly you're saying we're going to put CCTV there. Yeah. And uh, nobody likes CCTV, really. I, I mean, do. if it's absolutely necessary. I love, C- I love CCTV. Well, if it's absolutely necessary, yes. But it's not a great thing. It does evoke a sense of suspicion and...
0: Being you know, watched.
1: Yes, that's right. I remember in one building we lived in, they were talking about putting CCTV in the lifts once. And I thought, oh, my God, that's horrendous. Yeah. There's so little privacy anywhere yeah. in a <laughs> public place. There's nowhere you can be alone. Yeah. yeah. So it is really difficult. I have,
0: a, I have a feeling that if this person pushes it too far, the owner's corporation will say, all right, that's it, no more pot plants. In Well,
1: that's true, too. Yeah,
0: because yeah. that's the way committees work. You know, it's like all or nothing. Mm. There are no gray areas in strata life. Mm. It's all black and white. Mm.
1: But, you know, I, I would try and approach that, that cleaner, really, and do it in a friendly way.
0: Calling the police, somebody suggested on the Uh, forum. Do you think that's over the top?
1: I think it can be for a pot plant.
0: I don't know. I don't know if I would approach the cleaner. Like, they've seen you looking at them and gone, I don't care, I'm putting this in my car.
1: Yeah, but you could kind of just have a friendly kind of chat with them and see what the situation is. You know, they might just deny it flatly or... And then you know you've got a problem.
0: I think they know they've got a problem already, (laughs) pretty much. And on that note... It's been a pleasure once again talking to you, Sue. Thank you. Now, the next time you're off, you're off to the Balkans.
1: That's right. Yep. Yeah, I'm doing some work over there. But, of course, flat chat is always uppermost in my mind. Of course. And one of the people I'm going to be talking to is um, an Australian architect who's actually working over in, in Budapest in Hungary. And he's apparently creating a real stir with some of his architectural work. He's he's becoming really well known in the Balkans. So I'm going to have a chat to him and see what he says about housing styles there and maybe what Australians can learn from that. Yeah. or what Hungarians can learn about Australian housing styles from Australian architects. That would be interesting.
0: And what's one thing we know about Europeans is that they have got apartment living way before we did. Mm. They kind of understand the whole thing of just get along with your neighbours as best you can. Yep. And uh, we could learn a lot from that. I we, think. Could. we could. And on that note, thanks again. And we'll talk again soon. Great. If you enjoy these podcasts, and let's face it, you wouldn't still be listening if you didn't, you should subscribe to make sure you get the latest version as soon as it's published. You could also read the weekly Flat Chat column in the Australian Financial Review. That's every Friday, Saturday. And if you're really interested in finding out more about living in strata, go to our website. That's flat-chat.com.au. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm Jimmy Thompson. Talk to you again soon.